What is my pleasure to introduce a really special, special shit show for many reasons, one of which, you guys, she makes the most beautiful cheese boards in the land. Welcome, cheese board Sophie. That's, that's your nickname now, <laughs> cheese board. That's your nickname now. I love it. That's quite an honor, right? That is cheese such board. an honor. I love it. Have you done many cheese boards in your life? I have quite a few, I guess, you know, over the years. I always love a presentation. So Sophie's a florist and a designer by trade. What is your favorite food thing to design? My favorite food thing. Yeah, like design. we had like, you know, you had a cheese like charcuterie. Like, is would that be yeah. your top? That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty up there. Mm-hmm. It's fun because you could play with heights and, you know, other things, right? Mm-hmm. You can add different containers, flowers, different elements, mm-hmm. flowers, nuts, seeds, chocolate. That's fun. And I'm loving the new trend, right? With butterboards or um the feta board that looks pretty cool what's that you've seen that it's no. a, like a feta you you kind of mush it all over the board and then you add olives and you add yeah pine nuts and you do like the pita chips or whatever along the side I think we're gonna have to make that next time Fuck yeah and then you do a little drizzle of olive oil and and then what do you do you just scoop it yeah, you just scoop it. So you use the board, like almost like a dip. Mm. Like a, right? Yeah, it's kind of fun. Like all these cool, creative ideas. Okay, so before we get to what your favorite cheese is, what song do you want played when you walk into a room? Oh, all right. I Can See Clearly Now by John mm. Cash. Perfect. That's, that song is my jam this is <laughs> it's i dedicate it to you well, thank you that's sweet um carbohydrate so i don't know if you're aware of this but connecticut is the home of the best pizza in the world well, I don't know in the world, but in the States, people think New York, Chicago. No, no, no. It's Connecticut. Really? Yes, absolutely. Why do you say that? It's just a well-known fact. <laughs> Maybe not so well-known. No, I, I don't think so. It sounds like it's a hidden gem. It's a hidden gem. Exactly. So New Haven Pizza is where the pizza started here. So there's all these like 70, 80 year old pizza places from the old, from the old uh, village in, in Italy that they would come over and they'd open up their little pizza shop and you still have the same families running them. So there's Frank's, Frankie, Frank, Frank Peppies. So you have Peppies, you have Sally's, you have modern pizza. And there's 
I think there's another one, but listen, on the same street, there's lilies. Um, what do you call it? It's a, it's a little, uh, bakery. So you get your cannolis after it's amazing. Mm. You're going to have to have a retreat here. Yeah, absolutely. Or I'll come visit. I mean, that's enough. That's all I need to hear. So like you got Pepe's and you got Frankie's and you got Sally's. What's your fave? Well, so far, like I've only gone to Pepe's and Sally's and uh, <laughs> I hate to say this, but I'm thinking Sally's is beating Pepe's. <laughs> <laughs> Sally's was pretty damn good. Yeah, so it was really really good <laughs> what is like the <laughs> you're gonna insane. have to come over <laughs> what um what is the pizza like what's the dough situation it's way fucking super super thin crust and they put it in these old old ovens brick ovens right and it's the same ovens that their grandparents built and it, they get charred on the bottom and it's Montabeno. Um, what about cheese? Well, I have I I love a good brie. Mm -hmm. I love a good brie. Um, okay, condiment. I know it's basic, but I'm a ketchup girl. Good. Heinz. Yep. Absolutely. You know what the worst is? Have you ever had Sir Kensington's? I think so. Is that in a big packet if you get it like at a grocery store or something? I don't know, but they just like, they'll give it to you. Like if you could like stay at like a, like a ritzy hotel, like at the Ritz Carlton or something, they'll bring that instead, like with the room service. Yeah. And it's like ketchup, but like without the sugar. And it's just, uh, it's just a travesty. Yeah. That's sad. It's horrible. It's just called tomato sauce. Yeah. It's called sir. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> 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 I love it. Um, okay. <laughs> so, how did you find out you were an adult child? From me? Yeah, from you. Absolutely. So, I listen to podcasts while I garden, mm -hmm. and I was listening to. Oops, sorry. I was listening to. Um, was I listening? I was looking for something like an adult child podcast because I had quit drinking in January and I wanted to find something for my daughters, mm. for my daughter, my one daughter that, you know, kind of said, listen, you've got to quit. Um, so I listened to one and I'm like, holy shit, this is me. And so I think it was that same day I heard that you have these support groups that you host on your page with your patreon i'm like done and done because yeah. i just don't want to be living like this anymore you know i've been searching and searching and searching my whole life it feels like my whole life it's probably since i was like 13 14 i knew something wasn't right mm. but you know when you grow up the same you don't know what you don't know but it just didn't feel right so i would read books like I think I got codependent no more and I was so young I didn't even know what I was reading but mm -hmm. that kind of goes to show I was always searching but it was always like 
okay, codependency, and then I had depression, and I was grew up as a really sick kid all the time. I was always sick, stomach issues, mm. throat issues, ear issues. I was always sick, right? So it was all, you know, all that stuff all put together. At, and it all kind of came together when I heard your podcast. So what was that conversation like with your daughter, with her telling you, Hey mom, stop drinking. Um, it was a hard conversation, right? It was certainly not easy. Um, what had occurred? Uh, well, it had been years of it escalating and, um, I think when COVID hit, it just really got bad because mm-hmm. um, I kept getting triggered. And when I'd get triggered, I would try to numb it. Mm-hmm. And um, then the numbing didn't really work anymore. Mm-hmm. So she's like, listen, you either quit or I'm going to block all of you <laughs> when I move. And I moved and I was like, oh, oh my God, I didn't realize it was that bad. So she was my motivation to change. Mm. And, um, you know, after a few months, you start to realize everything that you did when you really weren't in your right mind. And I've just told her, I'll try the rest of my life to make up for what, you know, I didn't do when I was drinking would you consider yourself an alcoholic I I don't know you know I don't love the label but I I do like um the idea of making this a lifestyle by choice Mm -hmm. because I just feel better you know I am better you know I make better choices and I like the direction my life is going in and I like the way I can show up for my family Mm -hmm. and for my friends and for myself. Mm -hmm. So I like that um, as a choice because I get so much more out of life when I don't drink. Yeah. And it's empowering. Yeah. Right. Right. Had you tried to stop in the past? Not really. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe I did. What I did do differently this time was I um, got an app called Reframe. And um, what it did was it kind of walks you through, like, if you have one day, it will tell you, okay, you might be feeling like this. And it might give you a little, like, tell us how you're feeling, you know, rate your Uh rate your craving or whatever. And then by like day 150, you're like working into deeper stuff. Like, Oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? And then it gives you homework, like meditating or doing a little yoga practice or doing a little journaling about how you're feeling or whatever. And it taps into also like the reasons why we drank or drank and I feel like it was, and at the same time, it gives you a support network. Like people can kind of like with your, with mm-hmm. your, your deal, uh-huh. the WhatsApp, um, yeah. you can do that on the reframe app as well. Oh, that's cool. So it was, yeah, it was really, really hard. 
It was really helpful. I loved it. And it really got me through because when I did in the beginning, I had some cravings uh-huh. and I just would do my homework. I just do that. I called it my homework and it really helped me, you know, so I wasn't white knuckling it. I was mm-hmm. understanding what was going on in your body. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. So yeah, it'll be here good. in January. Fingers yeah. crossed. Okay. Okay. Well, I've definitely heard some about your childhood, but why don't you share with the audience? Do you have an earliest childhood memory? Yeah. So my earliest childhood memory was, I think I was about one. Oh, wow. Um, because I was, um, in my bedroom in our house that we lived in that was around the corner from the Catholic church. That's where my siblings went to school. Um, and I remember it specifically because of the wallpaper. It was little pink elephants on the walls. And I remember my mom changing my diapers and she was like doing goo-goo noises. And she had my thing, my toes wiggling them on my nose. And, you know, she was being really sweet. And yeah, and I just remember like my heart exploded with love for Mm -hmm. her. And I just remember thinking, I don't know who this woman is, but I love her. Like if you could put those feelings into words, that's what my little brain was saying was like, I just adored her. Then it went all downhill. (laughs) And then it went downhill from there. And that was the last time I ever felt yeah. that way. <laughs> yeah, it went, yeah, it went hell in, it was hell in a handbasket after that. The truth of the matter, my dear shit shows, is that there is a huge overlap in those of us who grew up in a dysfunctional family and those of us who are suffering from ADHD. I myself got diagnosed with ADHD about a year ago, and getting this diagnosis and treating this diagnosis has made such a difference in my productivity and getting shit done. Now, let me tell you about Done. Done is an online ADHD care platform where you can get all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, one-click refills, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy copays as low as $0. Visit get.donefirst.com slash podcast to learn more. Again, that is get.donefirst.com slash podcast. Done. Turn ADHD into your strength. You were the youngest of six. Yes, ma'am. And how how old was your next sibling? 10 years old? He is five years older. Yeah. So like, and then there was five kids in five years. So when I said to my mom, I was, I did the math. I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, mom, you had everybody in five years. And then five years later, you had me. Was I an accident? She's like, of course you were an accident. You were all accidents. Do you really think I wanted six kids by the time I was 28 years old? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that tracks. Well, thank God, like she said, you were all accidents. I mean, it would have been 
I think more of a sting if she said you were the only one. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no, don't worry. She made us all feel equally unloved. what role do you feel like you played well growing up I was definitely the mascot Mm. um I feel like I don't meet that many mascots so it's nice to come across one I was definitely the mascot but once we moved to Connecticut and I didn't have to be on that way I kind of lost my my touch Mm-hmm. And now I'm just the lost child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To explain the dynamics within your home. Okay. So the dynamic was my mom ruled with an iron fist. Everybody was afraid of her, even my dad. So he just made everybody, I want to say everybody, but that's probably not true. I can only speak for myself. And I think my dad just made himself small and unseen Mm -hmm. in order to just get along, you know, because it was going to be her way or the highway, right? Or hell would, it would be like, we would, hell would pay or whatever that saying is. We would have hell to pay. Mm -hmm. Um, So if she was in a good mood, everybody was good. It was like, we could exhale. But if she was in a bad mood, oh, we would scatter like rats. Everybody was vying for the hero position, right? Everybody wanted her to be like, because she always had a favorite. Mm -hmm. She always had a favorite. Like, you know, and everybody else would be like chop liver. And then she'd have her, um, her her scapegoat, you know, the one person that she'd be mad at, you know, and then I would come in and make jokes and try to make it all happy and light. And when I was younger, but, um, it was, it was rough. It was rough. And then my sister, Mary, who was mentally ill, my mom just ignored the fact that she was mentally ill even though she had teachers tell her that she needed to see a psychiatrist, my mom just Uh ignored it. And so she was abusive. Like she beat me up. I'd have to like run into my room after school, Mm. you know, close the door otherwise and lock it. Otherwise she'd beat the shit out of me. And then I tell my mom like, Oh, Mary beat me up. Well, what'd you do to make her mad? Mm. You need to go apologize to her. It was like Mary was always her favorite. Interesting. Were they the most similar? I think my mom recreated, you know, now that I'm learning so much about this, I think my mom recreated her childhood or her home of origin because she had her favorite, Mary, and who's the oldest daughter. And my grandmother apparently had her favorite, which was my aunt and her, my mom's or my grandmother's least favorite was my mom because she was the youngest daughter. Mm. And guess what? That's me. (laughs) So I feel like she's recreating that. Mm -hmm. When you made the comment about um, 
you know, being like, just always feeling like something was off. Do you remember when, like when you first started to have those feelings? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was my brother, Mike, that said, um, Hey, there's this book. It's called codependent no more. And I think it would help you. Wow. And, and I was like, what's this? I think I was like 12 or 13. So I read it. <laughs> like, and um, yeah. Um, and then from there, it was just always like, I always just felt like I was on the outside looking in, mm. like I was never a part of um, at school. You know, I just always felt like, like I, I didn't ever do the normal kid stuff, you know? Like I was the one that was always left at Girl Scouts, you know, like the family would be having dinner. It'd be dark. I'd still be sitting under the tree waiting to get picked up, you know, like shit like that. And um, like one time and the worst part, like, I don't think that I don't think that anybody woke me up or put me to bed. Like mm-hmm. after like six years old, like I'd walk to school. It was like a mile away. I'd get myself up, get dressed and go to school by myself. Sometimes I'd go to school when there wasn't school. Cause you didn't know. Cause I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I got, um, I got in so much trouble. I think it was in second grade for so many tardies. So I had to sit in the principal's office or like in the library area, I couldn't do recess for like a mm-hmm. week. And so I asked my dad, hey, will you buy me a, an alarm clock? And he's like, what do you need an alarm clock for? And I said, well, because I'm late for school all the time. I don't know what time to wake up. Mm. And he's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't bother to say, well, where's your mother? I don't know where she was. I don't know what she was doing. So Ours, we lived across this or around the corner from the Catholic school, but my siblings all went to the Catholic school, but they hated the Catholic school. So they let me go to public school, which was like a mile away. So I walked to school starting in first grade and walked home and, um, yeah, I was six years old. Was there an understanding that that wasn't normal? No. No. Yeah. I had no idea. All I knew is that there were moments when it just really hurt my feelings. Like one time I was coming home from school and it was pouring rain. And I just had a little t-shirt on and jeans. And I kept looking for my mom to pick me up. You know, because I thought, well, she knows I didn't have an umbrella, you know, and I kept looking for her in the cars and I finally get home. Right. And I'm dripping, like soaking wet. Right. And she looks over at me and doesn't even like it doesn't even phase her like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Nothing. She looks over at me and keeps talking to the interior decorators because she was picking out curtains or wallpaper or whatever. And that like really broke my heart. 
you know, it really broke my heart. There was just no acknowledgement. So, you know, it, I always felt like I was a burden. And so I tried really hard to just be self-sufficient. So you had to. Yeah. But the other thing is, is that she would like keep me caged up like a bird in a cage. Like I couldn't go out with friends. My friend, Jen, who was just visiting, she would call on the phone. Hi, is Sophie there? And my mom would say no and hang up the phone. And then she would come to the door. Hi, I think there's something wrong with your phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the person answering it is what's wrong with the phone. Yeah, I know there's something wrong with the connection. And my mom goes, she's not here. Slam the door in her face. This is what she would do. She would, it was like total control. And so like the only socialization I got was at school and I started working at 15. So, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. Like I look back now and I'm like, oh, that's pretty messed up. Yeah. No kidding. What was your relationship like with your dad as a kid? It was really good. It was really good, but that's another layer to the story. My mom used to complain to us about my, how she thought that my dad was being unfaithful to her Mm. and um, he'd go on, he was a diesel mechanic. So he worked on big oil rigs and he'd be in Alaska for a few months or, you know, uh, Northern California for a few months, Bakersfield. And, um, my mom would just accuse him of these like really disgusting things. And we're just kids, you know, like she'd put us right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. She'd put that, like plant that seed in our head. So my dad had a little bit of a wandering eye when we'd go out for, he would take me out for breakfast when I was a kid and we would go to um, wash his his coveralls, because they were all oily. We'd wash those in a laundromat because she didn't want him using our washing machine at home. And then we'd go out for breakfast. And that was what we did. And, and I thought those were really great times. Um, But because I feel like she planted that seed that he was like kind of a dog, that I would watch him. And he had a bit of a wandering eye. Mm -hmm. and and I made the mistake of telling her about it and I think I just wanted her approval Mm -hmm. you know I wanted to be that hero and it was just messed up like it was not our place to be there and so he actually stopped speaking to me like almost up until when he died because of that Mm. yeah Because he said, my alibi turned out to be my accuser. Mm. How old were you when that happened? I think I was probably 14. Wow. I'm so sorry. Yeah. When you 
look at the laundry list, where do you feel like you've suffered the most? So I think that for me, there's three that kind of work in unison. It's we became approval seekers and lost our identity in the process. And then we have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility and it's easier for us to be concerned for others rather than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we get guilt feelings when we stand up for ourselves instead of giving in to others. Those three have been very difficult for me and they kind of work together. It's like a pretzel, you know, they overlap. Mm -hmm. So I love hearing when you talk about the kind of mom that you are today. I just feel like your daughters are so lucky to have you truly. Thanks, Andrea. Yeah, I mean that. You know, I always just wanted to be for them what I didn't have. And, you know, I'm certainly not. I have so much room for improvement. Abby, um, she goes to a therapist because of the things that I did and didn't do. You know what I mean? For my shortcomings. So I, I'm certainly not that great, but, um, but I try, you know, I try and I just try to have an open dialogue with them and try to tell them that I, I just try to admit when I fail, you know, when I fall short of what I, what I want to be for them or what they need from me. You know, like I just admit it and I try to not have an ego about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to just like go, oh my God, I'm really sorry. And I'm going to try and be more mindful of that next time, you know, and then I try to be more mindful of it next time. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think the difference that I have with them and from what I got from my mom is they know that I try to repair. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm Mm -hmm. trying to repair Mm -hmm. where, which I feel like even if I don't quite make it, they know I've tried. Mm -hmm. At least I'm making an attempt, right? At least I hear you and I see you and I'm trying to do what you need from me because you don't know like I I didn't know how to be a mom Mm -hmm. I didn't know you know I thought I don't know what I was doing (laughs) I didn't know you didn't have any experience or a model (laughs) no exactly and they know that but they give me a lot of grace and I, I accredit that to them and their, their good hearts, you know, that they, they know where I came from and they know I'm trying. Well, I've seen a ton of growth in you and just hearing some of your stories on even like setting boundaries and stuff like that. But do you have a particular story that you want to share about how you feel like you you're, you're growing and changing? Well, I think the fact that I'm here talking to you <laughs> is huge, yeah, I agree. <laughs> right? And not crying my eyes out. 
remember how I would cry every single time I opened my mouth. Which is okay. Yeah, I just was so overwhelmed. I didn't know, like, like I was just flooded with overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this is what I've been looking for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going to Florida and meeting all of you guys was huge growth because it's way out of my comfort zone. And I was like, oh, what if they don't like me? What if I'm the outsider? Well, I mean, you made that, as I told you, I was going to vote you off the island, but then you made such a beautiful cheese board that I just (laughs) need to keep you around. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and bringing my skates, like that was growth. Trying to have fun. That's growth. Trying. I think you did have fun. Oh, I know I did. I had so much fun, (laughs) but you know, like the fact that I tried like Mm -hmm. so many times when we were playing uh, Balderdash, I wanted to quit like, cause I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling creative. I wasn't feeling this, you know what I mean? The stars weren't aligned in perfect, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know what? You have to keep just trying, just, just (laughs) do it, just do it, just do the damn thing. It's not like brain surgery, but normally I kind of think (laughs) normally I would have like, kind of like gotten really small and like Mm -hmm. hidden, maybe like Mm -hmm. hidden in my room or just been very timid, but I just, I am letting myself be known. Mm -hmm. And that's huge because I don't trust people, but I trust you guys. Mm -hmm. Well, I loved having you there. It wouldn't have been the same without you. Thank you. It was so much fun. Um, okay. So tell me three things that you like about yourself. I think I'm a great friend. Um, sometimes I think I like my sense of humor when people get it. Mm-hmm. That's key. <laughs> yeah. And I think I can make a pretty mean cheese board. Oh, you definitely can. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. And what's a hope or dream that you have for your future? I just hope that I can stay on this path and keep growing and learning and keep enjoying life. Well, I mean, you're not going anywhere. Like I'm not going to, I won't allow that. So (laughs) we will be banging down your door. I love it. Mm, So I I don't know exactly. Well, actually I probably do have your address somewhere. Plus I'll just I'll just stake out at Sally's and just wait. You can- <laughs> <laughs> just wait for you to show up at Sally's. <sighs> thank you. I love you. And thank you so I much. I love for you. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups. And it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adult child. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adult child pod and give me a damn five star rating on Apple and Spotify. And I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye.